this is a Marketing for Learning podcast, the only podcast in the world that's guaranteed to increase your knowledge, skills, and capabilities when it comes to marketing for learning. Plus, there's a gratuitous amount of pineapples. You're welcome. So hello, everybody, and welcome to Massey's webinar about learner personas. I am going to create this into a podcast. So hello if you're listening on the podcast. Um, and thank you to everyone that's here with me live today. Today we are talking about a topic that we've spoken about quite a bit lately. And that's learner personas. You guys know that we want to help you create the best learner personas you possibly can. But I want to start with a quick question for you all. I want to know, do you already have learner personas? Nope, not yet. Yeah, but I know they're rubbish. I love the honesty there. <laughs> all right, well, we've got quite a mixed bag there. We've got nope, not yet, which is 10 people. Uh, we've got one that's just said yep. And six of you says, yes, you have got personas, but you know they're rubbish. Um, so let's see if we can change that today. But before we get stuck in to personas we need to understand what we're doing with our marketing and communication and the truth is marketing is a process of understanding and then influencing someone's behavior if we don't understand who our target audience is if we don't know who we're trying to influence we can't do this we have to understand our target audience first before any of our marketing will be impactful and to do that we create learner personas so what is a learner persona a learner persona is a semi-fictional representation of your target audience it is based on market research so that means talking to your target audience so for most of us on this call that means talking to your colleagues fellow employees of your organization uh, we get qualitative and quantitative feedback from those people. So sometimes we can use data that already exists, such as our HR data, um, our LMS data, and things like that. But then we should also talk to people and understand their thoughts and their feelings about what we are doing. This gives us a really in-depth understanding of who they are as human beings and how our learning offering is affecting them. Only once we've done all that research, and I really mean this, only once you've done all of your research, we can add our own assumptions in. So we can make some assumptions and come to our own conclusions about how these people might behave. But it's coming from a point of information, of research and understanding of our target audience. But why do we create personas? Well, the truth is having this understanding of our target audience makes everything we do in marketing 10 times better, 100 times better. I truly believe learner personas are the backbone of really phenomenal marketing for learning. Because learner personas allow us to improve targeting. It helps us make the marketing actually effective and resonate and answer that's, that what's in it for me. If any of you listen to the podcast, we mention the what's in it for me every single podcast episode, don't we? Understanding your audience and creating learner personas will help you do just that. It will allow us to personalize the marketing. So what resonates with you might not res resonate with me and vice versa. So it allows us to personalize our marketing so that we can actually get butts moving. 
And it allows us to have a meaningful conversation with people. All too often in L&D, we're just shoving out information and hoping for the best. But with personas, we can actually send really targeted, really impactful communications to our people. But with so much data in L&D, why on earth do we need personas? We have so many different things we can segment on. Unlike typical marketing, we know who our audience is. We know their job title. We know what they're doing. We know their job role. We know a lot about them. So if we can segment on that and their demographics, their age and all things like that, why don't we just do that? Why isn't that good enough? And this is an example that you may have seen us talk about before, if you followed maths at any amount of time. King Charles and Ozzy Osbourne. They could not be more different, could they? But demographically, they're almost identical. They're both male. They were both born in 1948. They were raised in the UK. They've both been married twice. They both, both live in castles. And they're both wealthy and famous. King Charles, Ozzy Osbourne. Very different people, aren't they? Their intrinsic motivations in life are probably... I'll go as far to say it's definitely incredibly different. And that's a case in point about why we don't just target on demographics. Because if we do, we'll end up sending both of these people the same message and it's not really going to resonate that well with either of them. There were, of course, some exceptions to this rule. If I was a cleaning company and I was targeting rich, wealthy men that need their castles cleaned, I would probably um, segment based on demographics. But in our situation, in learning and development, that's not good enough. We need to dig deeper. And that's why we create learner personas. So learner personas have four fundamental parts. That's the demographics, like we just spoke through. We need to understand who our people are at a fundamental level. We need to understand the geographics of them as well. And that's particularly important in L&D if you're in a global company. There are so many different nuances that we need to bear in mind. We then have psychographics, and that's who they are intrinsically. We'll dig more into each of these in just a second. And lastly, we have their behaviors. And that's probably one that, as a learning professional, you care about the most. So let's look at these a bit more. Let's look at psychographics. So that's things like their time available for learning, their values, what's actually important to them, not as a learner, but as a human. What are their pain points? Again, not as a learner, but as a human being, and maybe as an employee in your organization. Is there a lot of red tape they need to follow on a daily basis? Is there a lot of hoops they need to jump through? What's causing them? a bit of a gripe at work? What's causing them a bit of a gripe outside of work? Oftentimes, if we, uh, we're talking to our target audience and they've got a young family that take up a lot of their attention, sometimes that's a pain point. We want to know their desires. What do they want out of life? What are they striving towards? What gets them out of bed in the morning? We want to know their attitudes and their social and cultural norms. What is it to be a person in their environment? 
What is it to be a good person in their environment? What's important to them? There are some countries where they will talk really freely about desire to make more money. And in other countries, that's a complete hush-hush and we'd never say that. What is it for your target audience? Of course, we also want to know their activities and so the typical things they do, their roles, but really we're here looking about emotional drivers. What is it that makes this person jump out of bed in the morning? We also then want to look at their behaviors. And in learning, we are so fortunate that we have so much data on our people. We have so much information that we can gather and we can use to our advantage. So their habits. Often when we look at habits for our personas, we're thinking about their working habits. What are they doing? Are they in the office a lot? Are they commuting? Are they working from home? Are they constantly on the move? Are they a salesperson that's literally in their car or on a bus, on a plane, on a train? What are they doing? We can see their, their current activity with learning by looking at data from our learning platform. How frequently do they visit? Do they access it on mobile or desktop? Things like that are super helpful in understanding the behaviors of our target audience. Are they active or passive learners? Are they actually applying the learning afterwards? And what are their preferences if we really are thinking about them as a human being? What do they prefer to do? And that this again, isn't just about learning. Are they happy in their role? Is one of their preferences just to get on with their day job? Or do they love socializing and engaging with their colleagues and their peers? What matters to them and how, do, how does their psychographic data and what's important to them, how does that reflect through their behaviors? We need to remember here that we're looking at these people as human beings, not as learners. So what are their wants, needs, desires, expectations from learning, but also away from learning? Oftentimes we'll say they really want quick and easy ways to learn they probably don't want ways to learn at all they just want to be really 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 good at their job so they get a promotion and the solution to that is quick and easy ways to learn around their day job so we need to make sure we're taking off our learning hats a little bit and we're not looking at this for a learning lens we're looking at this as these people are individuals and human beings we also need to consider their geographics, the region they live in, the size and population that they are part of. That's a really big thing. And I don't necessarily mean just of the country. We um, recorded a really fantastic podcast on learner personas with Elvira from Expedia Group. And some of the countries that they operate in are really, really small and they have tiny, tiny offices. So those people talk a lot more to their colleagues. They know pretty much everyone in their office. Other countries have huge offices and nobody knows each other. And that's a really important nuance to remember when we're creating our personas. You also want to remember the culture that you're dealing with as well. We know cultures are different across the globe. We are now working in a global workforce. How can we make sure that our personas are representative of that entire global workforce? And then we want to add some 
flavor to our personas. And that's where the demographics come in. That's when we're looking at things like maybe age or gender or job role, their seniority in the organization, how, how much, um, how big their team is. Are they managing a team or are they part of a wider team? What's their generation? We now have, what is it, five generations in the workforce? How do we manage that? What does that persona fall into? All of this does have an impact on who they are as an individual, but we want to make sure that we are not segmenting on this information alone and that we are making sure we are thinking about who they are as a human being. So how do we build learner personas? What do we do? So I'm sure all of you would have thought about personas before, thought about, yep, yeah, they're a great idea, and then sat there and gone, oh, what do I do? How do I do this? This is a weird thing. What do I do? Well, first things first, and it's one that L&D like to avoid, and it's also very, very obvious, you've got to talk to your target audience. There's no two ways about this. You need to get meetings in with the people you are targeting. For learning and development professionals, this is way easier than most marketers out there. We can easily access our target audience, can't we? On the most part. I know some people, if you're if you're marketing, you're learning externally, you've got the same problem as the rest of marketers in the world. But for those that are marketing, they're learning internally to employees at their organization, you have their email addresses. You have direct access to talk to them. Use it. Use that information and talk to these people. It feels hard, but it will pay off in the end. So please, 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 when we're talking through the rest of the data, and we get into the nitty gritty of how you get some of this data, remember that you need to go out and talk to your target audience. But what else do we need? So we need to gather qualitative data. That's non-numerical data. So you'll garner a lot of this from interviews or maybe long form answers on a survey. It's when people can tell you their actual thoughts, their feelings, what they're doing. So it's descriptive. They're explaining the why and the how behind their answers. They're not just saying yes or no. They're giving you more flavor. They're giving you more information about what they're doing. It's subjective. It's their personal opinion. It's what they believe is true. And that's what we're trying to find out, isn't it? We're not going to argue with people if they say, no, I don't agree with the fact that this is the world's best learning experience. If they're telling you it's rubbish, accept it. We can challenge it later with our marketing. But when we're doing our persona research, we just need to know their thoughts and opinions. Your qualitative data is gathered through observations, uh, surveys, polls, um, things like that. But as I said, it's the long form answers on your surveys. And oftentimes, face-to-face -face, um, or focus groups are much more impactful here. So we want to be talking to people and gathering this data. I prefer to do face-to-face, -face, virtually or in a room with the person, um, focus groups to really really get under the skin you can ask those probing questions and why do you feel like that and you get some really really good research from that 
From that, you then put these into groups. So you put them into people that feel a certain way. Oftentimes, this will not fall, fall into the same buckets as you think it might. So you won't have all of your marketing professionals falling into one bucket, all of your finance professionals into another. You will be finding different themes that unite your target audience aside from demographic information. So after qualitative data, we have quantitative data. And I hate saying these words and I put them in every presentation I do about personas, which is just great for me. This is your numerical data. There's actually a typo on my screen, please ignore it. It's your numerical data. So it's countable, it's measurable, it's yes or no, there's none in between. You can't kind of be yes or kind of be no. If you put a maybe in there, it's yes, no, or maybe. You can't be both. It tells us how many, how much, or how often. So it's very, very tangible data. It's fixed, it's factual, it's there. So we gather this by sending out surveys or counting things. So a lot of your LMS data, for example, your learning platform data will be quantitative. It will tell you, you have this amount of active users. This person has accessed the program five times. It's indisputable. This data is really, really useful when you're looking at behavior. So it's yes or no. It's really simple to understand. And in L&D, we have a lot of quantitative data sources. You have your LMS data, so usage, active users, course completions. That's a real big piece of quantitative data we have in L&D. Whether you have a learning platform or not, you know how many people have been on your training. So if you're doing face-to-face -face training still only, then you know how many people have gone through it. You know how many people have completed your program. The behavior towards learning, this is something we can ask them very, very easily. How often do you access the LMS? That kind of thing. Whether they're a passive or an active learner, whether it's people that are just completing training when they're told to versus people that are going out and seeking that information. We also have a lot of um, HR data that we can use. So the demographical data, you are in England or you are not. It's very, it's quantitative. It's yes or no, black or white your ge geographic data, and also there's some psychographic data that we can garner too. So are people um, home-based or office-based? How often do they come into the office and things like that? Then we also have our engagement data. And some of you might feel like this is a bit unattainable at the moment, but down the line, when you start doing more and more marketing, you will start realizing how many impressions you get when you put out a certain piece of marketing or a certain piece of learning how many opens, how well people interact with stuff, the click-through rates. There are a lot of different quantitative data sources we can use as L&Ders trying to market our learning. But the crux of it all comes down to good data in, good data out. If you cut corners at the research stage of your learner personas, they're going to fall short. If you try to skip past interviewing people because it takes time, you're going to make learner personas based on pretty much your own assumptions. And therefore, they will be biased. No matter how hard you try, your own biases will come in. Make sure you don't cut corners. Invest the time up front. It's hard, I know. We do a lot in L&D, don't we? And this is another thing added to your plate. 
But the great thing with personas is it doesn't just help with your communications. Understanding your audience will help with your instructional design, your learning experience design, and all of that other stuff. So they're a tool that you can use across your L&D function, not just for your communication or your marketing. So please, please, please don't cut corners at this stage. No matter how tempting it can feel, make sure that you are digging in, you're talking to your target audience, you're doing that research, whether it's sending out a survey or doing a focus group, get some actual feedback from your target audience. Your learner personas should be living documents. We recommend updating them or at least sense checking them every six months to a year. So go back. Are your assumptions still correct? Have you learned more about your people? If you have, update them, put that extra information in. If you've realized actually Hesitant Haley is really, really, really time poor because she only works nine to five because of her family and actually that's a big hindrance, add that in. You can't expect to get every single bullet point on your learner persona right first time. But even if you've got 50% of them right and you're targeting your people based on those personas, you are going to make more impact with your marketing. And that's what we want. Your learner personas are a tool to help your marketing be more effective. If you're going to use them elsewhere in your function, learner personas are a tool to make your learning more effective. They're a tool that we use to understand who our people are, who our target audience is as human beings. And it's only once we understand who they are as human beings that we can actually effectively market at them. If we're just hoping for the best, we're throwing stuff out there and hoping something sticks, it's not impactful marketing that we want to be doing and actually moving the needle. So that is learner personas in a nutshell. So now I'm going to take some questions from our live audience. Julia has said, can you have personas on different levels in the same company? For example, global personas and regional personas. It really depends on your purpose for them. On the whole, you would expect that you can create global personas and use them regionally because your target audience are your target audience. I have worked with organizations. I have a company that's currently going through our masterclass program and they... Um, they have very, very distinct business units. So therefore, each business unit has its own personas. If you are doing all the marketing, like you personally, Julia, I would have one set of personas that straddle your entire target audience. Eve has asked, how many personas do you think it's viable to use? Do you refer to them in marketing or more, more for just our and d use? Um, Absolutely. I have a strict answer on how many personas. No organization in the world ever, I don't care if you're Coca-Cola and it's your global marketing, should have more than five learner personas. That is your absolute limit. I think in LND, I've realized the sweet spot's around three to four. Um, so in answer to the first part of your question, three to four, I'd say is ideal. But it depends on your audience size and all of that stuff as well. In terms of do I refer to them in marketing, I think you mean externally. So in, when I'm actually putting communications out there, we would never say you are a hesitant Haley. 
but we think we refer to their fears and their wants and their needs and their pain points so that when they read that message it resonates with them Jessica has said we use letter personas primarily for creating learning offerings and learning formats for specific target groups that is music to my ears um you can absolutely use those personas you've already got. Maybe you want to dig a bit deeper. I have noticed that a lot of learner personas that are created to create learning are obviously quite learning focused um, and are lacking some of that human side. But if you have that human side in there and you know how to trigger emotions, keep them in mind when you're doing your marketing. So Yuki's also asked, um, how do you avoid bias when building your personas? And there's two questions here, so I'll answer that one first. You have to go into your discovery sessions, so whether they're focus groups, one-to-one groups, um, surveys, you need to just accept everything that's said to you. Often when I talk to L&D, they go into these focus groups and somebody will say, well, actually, it's impossible to get on the LMS on my phone. And L&D will get defensive. No, no, there's a mobile app. It's really, really easy. That doesn't matter. At this point, we're just taking the feedback and we're just taking it all in. We just nod and smile and say, great, thank you for your information. We need to make sure we're putting ourselves in their shoes. It's hard, but you need to tap into that intrinsic empathy that I know we've all got as L&Ders. So you need to take the information you've got when you're adding in your assumptions, make sure you're doing them from a place of research. So like I did with Hesitant Haley, I had a lot of information on this person, their demographic information and the answers they're given me. So I could hazard a guess at the kind of things that she'd be inspired by. Make sure you're coming from a point of information. You're not just going, yeah, I think this. If it's an I think, you're probably falling into some biases there. And then your second part of your question was, would you recommend partnering with another department, e.g. internal comms? Yes, 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 and 100 times yes. We should be partnering with other departments in the organisation. We should be reaching out to marketing, internal comms, HR, other functions to understand who our people are, especially if you're targeting, if you're marketing, you're learning internally to employees at an organisation, that means internal comms and HR are also dealing with the same target audience. Don't work in silos. You never know. Internal comms might already have personas that could be a, a starting point for you, for you to start your own personas. Or maybe you can just use their personas because it's the exact same target audience and you think they're spot on. Partner with other um, departments in the organisation. It will save you a lot of time. People will help you as well. Often people are like, oh, I don't want to talk to marketing. They're scary. And then when they finally talk to marketing and say, hey, we want to just market and communicate our learning offering a bit better, marketing are like, well, why aren't you doing this? So marketers, marketers bread and butter to promote and advertise stuff. So they'll be more than happy to help. I've never heard of a marketing team not wanting to help L&D promote their content so absolutely partner with other departments thank you all so much for your time today i've enjoyed this session and i hope you have too um, and if you have any questions reach out to me on linkedin i'm always happy to talk to l and about any of your challenges 
If you're creating learner personas and you get a bit stuck, please refer to our learner persona guide. It will really help you in creating your personas. And I hope to see you on our next webinar, guys. Bye.